Welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove, host of Business Matters with the Bean Team. We have part two of our show with Michelle Raywinkle Vasilinda. Michelle, thank you for sticking around. Oh, you know, I've enjoyed this conversation and I think we've got a lot more to talk about. We do. And I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there that we're going to do part two today, but I've got an open invitation. Let's, let's do this in a future show or a fu- future shows, plural. Absolutely. We'd love to talk to you about, you know, what goes on at the legislature I'd too love after to, it's done. I, I, yeah. think our, uh, I think our audience would love to hear that too. So this is, um, we'll, let's just tee this thing up and we'll go right into it. So we, we talked about this just a minute ago. This is like the, the we're proud of America. We're proud of what's, what's inside of people and the resilience of people and businesses. Absolutely. And I think the coronavirus, we were just talking about that a little bit. What is that going to be a catalyst for, for businesses? And I think the resilience of American businesses, Florida businesses, is going to come to the fore. And I think this is going to be a really important time. It's going to be a time of transition. And I think it's going to be a a challenging time. Right. It provides us an opportunity to really step outside the box, look at things objectively. How can we do things better, differently? And yes, we may be forced to do that, but let's be positive about it and, and make the best and the most of the opportunity. Absolutely. And I think, you know, efficiencies, resiliency, all that comes when you face, you know, crises. And this this is that uh, in to, to at least a business at this point in time. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the oil industry. If you've been watching, you know, the stock market, if you've been watching a little bit of the shows and, the, and hearing the news about what's been going on, the oil industry is taking a major hit. And part of that that is because OPEC has done some weird things, you know, uh, and that's in response. They're kind of taking, I think, an opportunity uh, because everybody's a little bit vulnerable right, right now. And I think they've been concerned about the United States becoming energy independent. Yeah. Thank, you know, God that we yeah. have done that because, right. you know, with energy is uh, national security. You cannot have exactly one without right. the other, right? And so we've become energy independent. Now OPEC's concerned about that. They see the coronavirus and they see a, a point they've decided that they see some opportunity in the crisis, right? right. So they've brought prices uh, uh, down because they're really starting to, you know, continue with with supply. And, you know, that supply and demand thing, this is what's going on. So anyway, so we have the oil prices are just bottoming out. Um, the demand is going to be less because we, the you know, the cruise ships, the travel, the, all this sort of thing. Um, and, you know, the summer's coming up. People are going to want to drive in their own private cars, but I don't know that's going to take it up, you know. But but so what happens when, when the oil prices go down? A lot of the oil companies have said we're really concerned because we were going to start, you know, diversifying into different energy platforms. Um, well, maybe they should have done that a little bit more quickly. Quickly, right, right, um, but maybe the money will go because I, I, you know, money's kind of like energy; it doesn't really disappear. Right, it, just, it either goes, goes on the places. right, right, goes on the sidelines or go different places. And maybe now's the time where the what I've always thought, you know, from since two thousand and eight, maybe even before that, that there's a new energy era on the horizon. And whether you believe in climate change is caused by man or you don't or whatever it is, 
we've always had new energy eras coming forward, whether it was whale oil, uh, we went to from whale oil to coal or whatever it was, you know, wind to whale oil. You know, there, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a historian of the energy right. industry, but but we all got that, that we went to different different right. energy forms. Now may just be the time to make that leap or make it, a, you know, leap a little bit farther into the new energy era of solar, wind, uh, and conservation and efficiency and all that kind of thing, but there's business opportunity yeah. in that too. Whenever when crisis happens, there's opportunity presents itself. Absolutely. So we've got a lot. This will be a another fun show. We've got a lot of cool topics to talk about, but it's really the the resilience of the um, of the USA and the people in the USA and the business owners. They're going to do what's needed to survive. So we're going to bring it all around with some politics, coronavirus, survival opportunities making things better on the other side so with that being said john play us a little bit of music and let's get started Welcome to the Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove. On Business Matters, we discuss the issues that matter to your business. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and BeanTeam.com. And now here's your host, Charles Musgrove. Welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove and your host of Business Matters. I'm with the Bean Team. Check out our other shows. We've got them on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Yes, YouTube, we're out there. We've got a lot of good information on our YouTube channel, stuff about our previous shows. We've got a lot of good information you may want to go check out. Today, we have Michelle Raywinkle Vasilinda back in the house. Welcome, Michelle. <laughs> I'm great to be here. This great. is, uh, for in. those that, that have listened in the, the previous week or the previous show, this is actually part two. Michelle has, she's stuck around to to continue the great talk that we had in our previous show so thank you for staying uh, I, i've enjoyed it and it's a great conversation i think it's a time to to talk about these kinds of things to help people sort of take a framework and put put this in this crisis that we're in right now and the changes that are going to come along um in a framework to to make it easier yes for them. we are we are going to talk about the resilience of the business owners of people that are in the United States of America. We are a resilient group of people. We're, that's what has the founding of our nation. We see it in our, in our individual citizens. We see it in the business owners that when crisis happens, they're going to do their best to survive. They're going to do their best to come up with a way to defeat the crisis that's at hand. Absolutely. Survive and thrive, you know, because at, at each problem, has a solution and when solutions are valuable people pay for them exactly you know, it, is, right. it is what it is whether it's you know consulting services whether it's a product whether it's a service it you know that is what people will pay for and i think things will shift we'll have different business opportunities if you know oil and gas for instance is not you know at the top of the the heap anymore other things will come in and this is just the way it's been keeping the status quo is not what business in the united states has been about since our inception and allowing uh business to come up with solutions that's why we like government to have a lighter hand right right and um businesses to do do their thing which is to solve problems and help people, you know, uh, go forward in their lives. That process and that survival, that that renewed energy, that is, uh, that's just 
a pure result that happens when when crisis happens and when opportunities arise and people take advantage of those in a good way. Absolutely, and I yeah, I think I think that's how we've done. Uh, that's how we've gotten from you know where we were in 1776 to now and it's a pretty great country and it, so it is. yeah let 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 freedom ring <laughs> let let it go yeah you know? so yeah. we are we're dealing as we're as we're taping this show we are in the hopefully the back end but we're we're talking the coronavirus is is one of the headlines that we're dealing with and we see how communities how countries uh how states are dealing with that and uh, you in the being in the in the the education industry, you you have probably a, a a good perspective to tell us. So you know, if you think about going to class, that's probably not a good situation. If the coronavirus, if you have uh, an outbreak of the coronavirus or any other type of of illness, you don't want to be in a classroom or or close to people if you can help it. Right, and that was one of the the first things Governor DeSantis actually a couple of oh, might have been ten days ago um, talked about was to be careful because students travel all over the place. So right. do faculty, and they come from China, South Korea, Iran. Italy, maybe not Iran as much, but but those places back into the universities and colleges of the state of Florida. So the governor actually issued a missive, uh, and, and so did the Surgeon General, a, a number of days ago saying, be careful, self-quarantine if you come back in. All right, so now we've got the presidents of the universities, University of Florida, um, University of, of Florida State University, and Tallahassee Community College talking to faculty about getting your head around if there is a quarantine actually in your class because some student has come down with um, the coronavirus or if the if the community has to be in um, you know quarantine how are you going to move forward and continue to get these students through their education and through the, to their goals right. right and you can even think about that as okay let's say it's not the whole classroom that's quarantined but a student so how does that student continue with their education process? So you need to be equipped, I would think, that the, that the university should be equipped to deliver that education to somebody that can't be in that, the four walls of that classroom. Absolutely, because we're ho- we, we, the, the inherent in all that is, is the knowledge and certainly the hope that after the coronavirus, life will go on, right? Yeah, right. And so we're looking forward to all that, and we want to make sure students are staying on track. Well, online education, that's a business platform, too. I mean, Canvas, Blackboard, all those tech companies make money. Right. And they sell those those platforms to the colleges and universities and so on. So, so that is a business platform. And so we will get students through their education via those platforms. And, I, you know, I've been teaching online for 20 years now. You know, T.K. Weatherall, who was president of TCC at one point in time and also Speaker of the House, right. you know, for a while, while ago. And God rest his soul, he has left us now, but a brilliant man. Um, he was president of FSU. He um, talked about online education before it was a thing, you know, uh, because he'd gone to a conference that was a visionary conference and came into the community college and said, you know, how are we going to deliver this um, this this information and how can we do this in a different way? And he foresaw, he envisioned at some point in time using less 
buildings, having less pavement, having less of the infrastructure that is so costly, the is, utilities, yeah. all that, yeah. Yeah, so that is uh, 20 years ago. You think, wow, that's a long time ago. But think of what has happened on the techno- in the technology world in 20 years. A lot. So if you, were, if you were faced with this question 20 years ago, it would be almost paralyzing in, in the education world. How, do you, how can you disseminate that, that classroom to the masses? That would be a daunting thought process, daunt- but today yes. it's not. You no. can you can you can easily see that. Okay, we could do that. Yes, and and faculty that are not online. I mean, I I am completely and totally online. But faculty that are still teaching in the classroom, they just need a moment, you know, a, a, a little space of time to start creatively thinking about how to deliver their information online. And I think some lessons can be taken uh, from that piece for business. How does business then do that? And business can give lessons to education industry as well. Right. How do we move forward in a time where we need to maybe do some social distancing, maybe be under quarantine, all that kind of thing? How do we move forward in that in that way? Without stopping. Without stopping. Because business Without goes stopping. on. And that's what when I can really relate to that with, with our business and that we're a we're basically a virtual back office for our clients. So we're we're set up that we can do the work wherever we are. If if we're in a in a in our in our house working, if we're on the beach, if wherever we are, as long as we have electricity wonderful? or or a good battery and internet connection, right. then we can do the work. Yeah. So um, I know that's probably a stretch on some businesses because some businesses you do need to be physically present to do that. So I get that. Right. But, but you know, there are food delivery um, options that in, if people, for instance, because I keep thinking restaurants might be pretty hard hit um, or the catering business right. might, you know, or event production um, businesses, you know, they may have specific challenges that right now you and I, you know, might not be able to come up with these ideas, but certainly you get some brain power in a room, start brainstorming these ideas. How can they either adapt with their product or maybe start working into a different product um, or a different service? And these are the times that we're going to have to start working on that. If the, the big giants of the oil and gas industry are having to do that, then I, you know, it, it's harder for the little folks. But and uh, but I think this is the time to start thinking that way. Yeah, we can adapt and overcome that and and uh, come out to be a better. I think better so. on the other end of yeah. it. Yeah. So the the virtual workplace that's a reality that many businesses have right now. So you can see how that how you can not that we want to be quarantined, but you can see how you can protect the spread of that by working in that virtual setting. And it's the numbers we're working on with Corona. You know, it is, so not everybody has to, you know, be careful, but the the, the more careful we are, the less numbers we're going to have. And so this is sort of a, just a mathematical problem in some ways. And so if you have less collisions of human human beings with people that are vulnerable, then you have less, you know, uh, uh, unfortunate outcome. Most of the people that are going to get infected with this coronavirus, as we know now, are going to get very mild symptoms and not have a problem, especially young people and gratefully our children. Uh, it looks like, you know, children are very um, 
uh, either well protected or not not they're not a victim to a, a severe uh, case of the coronavirus. Right. So it's the elderly and those it's that are the elderly have immune deficiencies. And, and who have immune deficiencies or other illnesses. So if we can kind of start thinking about that and thinking about you know ways to to cope, I think that's the important part. You know, I you know I keep thinking about World War II. I mean, it's just it's a framework for me that I I think about. You know, we we adapted as a nation to that. We saw you know our our mother country, England, adapting in some really wonderful ways. You know, when the Blitz, Blitzkrieg was coming in London, people didn't stop business. Right. They kept moving. Uh, you know, maybe not when the bombs were flying, but but certainly, you know, during the day, they, they kept doing what they needed to do to keep their country alive, to keep their city alive, to keep their families moving. And so that is a good, I think, it's a it's a touchstone for me always when we get into crisis, either as a nation or even as a family. I think to myself, ah, you know, this is nothing. You right. know, we could be, you know, there could, much worse things could be happening. We can make it through. Yes, and we have in the past, so this this will be no exception to that. So we talked about the the we've seen in the past where where we've adapted with our energy crisis, where we were so dependent on oil in other countries. And we've really gotten to the point now where we're energy independent with the fracking and what we're doing here in the USA. Absolutely. So we'll, you know, you meant you started the show out talking about the uh, the recent uh, fight with OPEC. Yes. And what's happened to the the, the barrel, the price per barrel of oil has is twenty dollars now. It's they're projecting it may go down to eleven. That's just that's crazy. I remember the day when it was what over a hundred. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. And so th- those were some some heavy days, too. I mean, where we thought we were in crisis. And, you know, um, when I was elected to the legislature, I, you know, I and and running and campaigning for my first term, it was very much on the energy crisis. I mean, I, you know, I looked at my husband on nine twelve. Not 9-11, but 9-12. And I poked him in the ribs and I said, I know what we need to do. We need to get energy independent because the reason why these folks are attacking us, one of the reasons, and we found out there's others, but certainly is because we've been in those countries kind of meddling about and they want to be left alone. Let's have our own oil situation over here and be energy independent. It'll make us less vulnerable. Right. So... That's one of the reasons why I started running for office is because I saw Florida as the sunshine state, solar energy, all that sort of thing. And so, you know, things have come to fruition as I've seen it that, you know, when I first started, solar energy was a was a, you it know, was a dream. Oh, yeah. It was a, you know, glint in the art, my eye, you know. And so um, now. It's wonderful. And, you know, that is something that's good for America. It's also good that we're drilling. And, I, you know, I got eviscerated for that when I stood up in the House in 2009 and said, you know what, if we're going over there to get oil, we ought to get it in our own backyard. I mean, I got criticized for that. But the, but the idea is how can you rely on other nations that don't like you for your life exactly <laughs> yeah and we're seeing that now you know we talk about oil and energy how we used to be so reliant on that now when we talk about this coronavirus and the where it came the origins of it in china guess who has all of our vaccines they control 90 something percent of our va- the, our vaccines as well so it's uh hopefully that can be fixed after this yeah yeah and i think i think we need you know i think 
as we've been working on supply chain diversification, I think, in business, and I think th- that's started with Trump saying, you know, we really got to get China in hand over here because not only has the coronavirus come from them, but they have also, you know, taken a lot of our patents and right. utilized them in our copyrights oh, yeah. and all that kind of thing and not been respecting the rule of law with regard to our ingenuity and our productivity. And a lot of our American companies because companies want to go where there's low, um, you know, employment, you know, uh, uh, costs and that kind of thing. And that's natural. But they have sold out for then a system and had to live with a system that's not good and then brought goods and services back to us that have been faulty. I mean, we had Mattel toys. I mean, we had, you know, dog food and cat food that wasn't so hot. We had, you know, toothpaste that wasn't good. We had the plasterboard, the drywall. One of my dear colleagues, um, you know, uh, was very much affected by that and his family uh, with drywall from China with lung problems right. and things so so you you got to be careful and you get what you pay for and um so i think having this diversification of supply lines is really great watching where your stuff is coming from is really great looking at the coronavirus to see i think we're going to look back on this in five to ten years uh maybe even sooner hopefully and say wow we did some really great things during this crisis, and we moved the ball along to being more free, more efficient, you know, uh, having better uh, business products and, and, and efficiency and being more secure as a yes, nation. Yes, and it protects us, too, because we talked about national security. So you see that in the energy. Well, that really kind of crosses in the whole supply chain as well. Oh, absolutely. So that if all of our supplies are coming from one source and that source doesn't like us, then we're, we're vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll never forget one time I was in a conference as a um, young legislator, you know, young in the process legislator, and I heard that some of our components for our fighter jets were made in China. And I I just, I I was like reeling. I I thought, how is that? How does that happen? So so we really need to examine things that have been done in the same way uh, and and look at the status quo and and keep tweaking it. And another thing before I forget... um, one of the things that's coming out of this OPEC thing is we got Saudi Arabia and Russia right. bumping heads. Right. We're kind of out of it, which makes it, which is great in some ways. I mean, we're not really out of it because I think the full We focus, feel the impact of right, it. Right. We feel the impact, but they're the ones that are now uh, a little rubbing rubbing each other the wrong way. Right. Uh, so uh, let's let's take a little uh, breather on that right. one. You know? Yeah, it's nice not to be in the middle of yes, it. Yes, yes, it is. Let, it is nice not to be in the middle yeah. of the fraction. Yeah, let them... Uh, Take care of each other, yes. maybe, in yes. a good way, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> maybe we can benefit from that. Mm-hmm. So one of the, uh, this is kind of shifting gears a little bit, but it still ties back into the resilience of, of the workforce, the resilience of the, of, the, of the business owner. The minimum wage requirement. We have a, a ballot initiative that's um, actually on the ballot in November that people in the state of Florida, they will get the opportunity to vote either yes or no on, on mandating an increase in the in a minimum wage to fifteen dollars, and and I say fifteen dollars because that's really the what people know it as, but it goes beyond fifteen dollars. Oh yeah, it there's a there's a increase based on the is it some type of cola adjustment that price index that's going to increase be beyond that. So fifteen dollars is just kind of the the easy thing to say that it's going to go up to, but it's going to be more than that. Yes. So now we have our 
uh, minimum wage that that is going to really put Florida in a bad spot economically. I think so, because I think it starts tinkering with the market in ways that we shouldn't tinker. Because once you start pushing on one thing and you mandate something for business, then I think business kind of gets stultified or even, I don't know, it, 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 it doesn't work as well as it could be. You're kind of hog tying it. You yeah, know? well, it goes back to the, you could even say that's a crisis, because what you're doing now is you're creating a crisis in those individual businesses. How are they going to deal with that? Well, they're going to be forced to make decisions that may not be what those intended consequences are, but you got in unintended consequences where they're going to employ less. Maybe they go out of business. So what we think of as, let's use the restaurant business as, as an example, what we may enjoy as a full-service restaurant, that's going to go away. Right. Yes. And I think I I think that you're going to have um, maybe even some, you know, people breaking the law in some ways. And I, I don't think you want to set your country up for that or your state up for that. So I think if we go to um, just keeping the law the way it is, right? Let it with regard to e-verify, maybe change that a little bit because we talked about that and and work on uh watching laws as they are now and and enforcing the laws as they are now and then the market will will take care of the rest so folks will get the benefit of higher wages and better um uh you know benefits and that kind of thing just as business people in the marketplace react to either um, uh, employee shortages, right. or you know, and and it is it is just what it is. So we don't we also don't want businesses you know screaming then unfairly if they can't get uh, enough folks and then have to go and get illegal immigrants to right. do the work, right? So you know we can kind of go round and round with this, but the the idea is everybody's got to take a little bit of a hit in order to have the rule of law, which makes the country the way it is. Um, work for all of us with a level playing field. And I think that's something people need to remember. And so this $15 uh, uh, an hour minimum wage, it's tinkering with the system that shouldn't be tinkered with. What I'm concerned about, though, is that folks going to the polls to vote on this provision may not, uh, this amendment, may not realize all that I'm saying. Um, they, I totally agree with and you. And so I'm concerned. Yeah, because it has the, and I've talked to many other business owners about this, people that are in the know on it, is that, you know, it has the $15 an hour, it has the the feel good that, okay, that who wouldn't want that? Right. And it's it's talking populism. Yeah. You know, they, they accused um, President Trump of being a populist. This amendment <laughs> it is. Is, is a populist amendment. It's like a feel good, knee jerk. Oh, yeah, that's great. But I think you, you really need to be thinking about how this might affect businesses who might then fire you. Right. Because they can't afford everybody at that level because it's going to also then start artificially pushing up other wages and other salaries and so we're going to end up dealing with less folks right and then we're going to have people on the sidelines again and i I, and that is not a good place 
to be. I think this full employment is so good for the country. It makes the country more energetic. It makes the country, I think, healthier. It makes business healthier. It makes families healthier. Right. When you got somebody sitting around twiddling their thumbs and, and not feeling productive and, and contributing, I think that's where, you, you know, I, I don't mean to get that's too far into it. No, I agree it is. With you. you get into addictions. You get into, right. you know, crazy behaviors because people need to feel like i think it's an essential human element that they're needed yes that they're contributing to society and to their family yeah they have a purpose yeah i think that is uh we've talked about this we've had other shows on this 15 dollar an hour minimum wage and the effect of it and it's not just that fifth that wage earn the 15 dollar an hour person it's those that are above that too because you've got now the ripple effect of that so if you already had somebody that had been working for three or four years making 15 dollars an hour now you're starting somebody at 15 well it had it affects your whole they're going to want 18 or 20 and then the you know then the folks that we're making you know it's just going to go on up and up and up and up right and then and then everything has the potential to start getting more expensive and then the $15 is just, you know, just like when, you know, Germany before World War uh, II was running around with, you know, wheelbarrows full of dollars. Right. I mean, things just get more expensive. Yeah, you know? it becomes crazy and, yeah. because now you've you've really changed the the whole structure, the whole face of how businesses work that, that rely on that, on that, on that starter wage. Yeah. And that's really what it is, the, that minimum wage is not meant to be a living wage that's meant to be let's get people started in the workforce yes absolutely and then move them up as they become more and more responsible so i think i think and as they learn more skills and as they have more responsibilities of family and all that kind of thing but it is that starter wage you know when i was a kid I, you know i i went to work you know with my dad at 12 because i wanted to earn money you right. know and then i became a lifeguard and i wanted to earn money because it just but i wasn't paid a whole lot as a as a lifeguard you know and then you know and then I, you know, worked my way through college as a waitress and all that kind of thing. And then the library. And it was, you know, it is just the way I think people learn and grow. And if you're fortunate enough not to have to work, well, that's fine. But maybe you're not so fortunate because maybe you learn certain right. things as you're working your it way through. It builds the character. It, it builds build that, that whole, I'm worth something. Yes. I'm, I'm helping my family, myself society yeah i know that's a bigger picture but you are you're contributing to society absolutely so I think that's important. that is uh so what happens and, and i've heard this people say this what what's going to happen if that 15 dollars an hour comes in then say goodbye to that opportunity that you had coming up working as a lifeguard or working as a wait staff or me working at at my starter job in the fields working as, as with a nursery digging that's not going to be there right those people are going to hire they're going to hire more seasoned people that maybe their second time through their their jobs or their careers so the the starter wage that for the starter person is going to be non-existent right so uh, i hope that it doesn't pass i don't want to i don't want to see what that's going to do to florida i don't want to learn that way i don't want to go through that that's really that's really reshaping florida reshaping our economy in a way that I don't think is healthy for us. And we need to get a message out to folks who are employees that it's not going to be good for them either. Exactly. So that's, that's, I think, the challenge. It is. They have to look beyond that $15 an hour that in most cases I've seen that they actually earn less. 
Yes, uh, overall, and they get, can able they're able to buy less, right? Or they may have less hours. Yeah, their hours might be cut. So there's all sorts of ways that this will get you know uh, changed, and and I think I just think let mar- the market do what it needs to do. Put in E-Verify as the Senate has it and as the governor wants it. Right. You know, keep that, you know, and and, and make that employment pool a little bit smaller. And then as we talked about last week, you know, use those, those ex-felons who are coming out of the prison system, retrain them, do the humane thing with them too, give them a job, give them the ability to contribute so that they don't, you know, go back into the, the prison system and they feel, uh, you know, that they're they're contributing to their family and their society and their, their community. Michelle, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of nuggets of knowledge that we've discussed here. You brought it. Thank you so much for I, part two. This has been a great show. It's been great. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed out there. This is Charles Musgrove with Business Matters. Check us out next week. Have a great day. Have a blessed week. Peace. The Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove is sponsored by The Bean Team. For all your business accounting and tax preparation needs, visit beanteam.com or call 893-7710. You can listen to more episodes of Business Matters on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or visit beanteam.com.